Hey everybody, good morning. How many of you guys are alive today? Man, it's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Man, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to be here. Hey, ¿dónde está mi gente de Centro Victoria? ¿Dónde está Centro Victoria? Uh, before, excuse me for a moment. Uh, hey, espero que se sientan como en casa. Siéntanse en familia. Siéntanse eh, como parte de, de Beaverton Foursquare. Y es una bendición de que nos puedan estar con nosotros. Así es que después del servicio, me encantaría poder hablar con ustedes. Anyways, as I was saying, uh, <laughs> man, it's, 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 honestly, it's honestly an honor to be here. Uh, but before I get to say anything, I just want to say thank you to the pastoral team. Uh, I didn't cry so much in the first service. <laughs> but I want to say thank you. Thank you for the trust that you have invested in me. Thank you for believing in me. It's, it's uh, uh, truly an honor that I get to stand, you know, before this, my family, right? Beaverton Foursquare, and, and, and for me, it's just, it's just a privilege. So thank you. Thank you for believing in me. Hey, for those who don't know me, my name is Israel Talamantes, and I am the pastor at Centro Victoria. And uh, yeah, we meet on Sundays. If you ever wonder why, like, why, why is those crazy people doing another side of the parking lot? Well, that's us. That's us right there, and um, we meet Sundays, every Sunday at 10.30, every Sunday at 10.30. So if you know anyone or have family that would like to um, be with us or like to have a service in Spanish, well, man, we would like to have them. We would like to love them, and yeah, so Sundays at 10.30 on the West Building. All right, are you guys ready for the Word of God? Man, I'm, 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 I'm excited. Let me tell you, man. The crowd on the first service was fire. <laughs> so I have high expectations, high expectations. <laughs> hey, uh, today, today we have been going through uh, a series called Seeing Jesus. And we've been trying to learn more about Jesus through the lens of Luke. And our hope is that through the next two or three weeks that we have left in the series, that as we continue to read through the gospel, that you will get to encounter Jesus on your own. That you will get to see him on your own. And let me tell you, like, the more that you read the word of God, the more that you get to understand what Jesus is all about, then you, the more you changed. And this morning, I will continue the series. Uh, it was funny in the first service. How many of you guys know, or how many of you guys grew up singing in Sunday school morning? Right? Yeah. So if you have been in church for a while, you know what I'm talking about. But if this is your first time in church, then I'm about to tell you what I'm talking about. The person that I'm speaking about this morning, he's actually very famous. He's so famous that he actually has his own worship song. Do you know what I'm talking about? No? Okay. His name is Zacchaeus. So there is a song that goes like this. Zacchaeus was... Come on. Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. So you know this song, right? <laughs> hey, but you know, you want to know something cool too? You want to know something cool? 
This song is also in Spanish. Saqueo era un chaparrito así que vivía en Jericó. Y cuando Jesús pasó por ahí, así como oro subió. You didn't know that, right? You learned something here today. So this guy was so and still so popular that he actually got his own song. But today, we get to dive right into scriptures and we get to see and to learn more about this guy. Um, so if you can turn your Bibles in Luke chapter 19, we're going to start on verse 1. So open your Bibles or turn your Bibles on, right, in Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Uh, but before we read, I would like to give you a little bit of a context of this passage. We're entering into the final week of Jesus' life on earth. The final week of Jesus' life begins here in the city of Jericho. He stops in Jericho and then he's moving towards Jer Jerusalem. And if you want to know a little bit more, uh, Jericho is below sea level. And Jerusalem is above sea level. So when Jesus stops at Jericho, he has about 15 to 20 miles to go uphill to go to the place where he's going to be crucified. This is important. Jesus was on his way to the cross to give his life, but he stops and takes the day to save a life. Even on his way to die, he was thinking of those who needed to live. And how many of you guys know that we serve a loving and compassionate God? That even on the way to the cross, even on the way of him dying, he was thinking of you and me. And this morning, he's stopping by because he wants to have a conversation with you. So let's read. Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1. We're going to read a couple of verses and then we're going to make a few stops. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus and he was a cheap tax collector and he was wealthy. Other translations say, and he had become very rich. Very rich, very powerful man. You know, Luke presents us with a man that he is very wealthy. But if you look in, chap in Luke chapter 18, there is also another story of a very wealthy young man that has the need of Jesus. That he's wondering how to enter the kingdom of God, how to inherit life. So if you want to turn, you know, a look, uh, to Luke chapter 18, verse 18... This young man comes up to Jesus and this is what he says. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He was curious. He was wondering, what do I need to do? What is the process, right? What is the, what is the recipe to, to, to inherit eternal life? Then Jesus responds, right? Well, you have to honor your mother, your father. You can't commit adultery, right? Don't steal don't gossip, right, don't do this. And, and the response of the guy says, well, I, I actually do all those things. I think, I'm, I think I'm pretty good, right? Am I good to go? But then Jesus responds in verse 22. He responds with this. 
When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, well, if it is a hard, then what are we going to do? But then Jesus replied with this, what it is impossible with man, it is possible with God. Someone needs to hear this this morning. What it is impossible with man, it is possible with God. What it is impossible for us, everything is possible with God. Maybe you've got a diagnosis this week, right? And everything seems impossible, right? Everything is against you. Maybe the outcome of your marriage is not that great. Everything seems like a failure. But I have come to remind you this morning that for you what is seem impossible for us, everything, and I mean everything, is possible with God. Can you say amen this morning? Everything is possible for the Lord. I'm preaching now. Come on now. <laughs> Luke gave us two pictures of two very wealthy men that had need of Jesus. Right? This young man wanted to uh, inherit the kingdom with good deeds. But then in Luke chapter 19, we see Zacchaeus. We present, we present it with two stories very different. But the outcome is also different. Let's continue to read. Verse 3. He wanted to see who Jesus was. Again, he was curious. But because he was short, <laughs> he, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. He was short because he could not see over the crowd. So when I was reading this, a few things just jumped at me. And I wanted to know as to why the doctor looked someone prepared enough has to mention the fact that he was short. <laughs> like am I missing something profound, deep, theological? And I, was in, and I was reading and studying, and historians said that the average man 2,000 years ago was about five feet tall. So, so they were short. <laughs> so if that's the average, if that's the average height 2,000 years ago, for Luke to describe Zacchaeus as a short man was because he was short. My wife was here this morning, and I told her, like, hey, can I, can I, can I make a joke, right? And she's like, yeah, go for it. My, my wife is in the five, five, five-ish spectrum, right? But I, said, I, I always say to my mom, honey, you're not, you're short. You lack altitude, right? Mom, but she has a lot of attitude. Hello. Come on now. But now, why? 
Luke had to mention the fact that he was short. And I wanted to discover more. And the more I thought about it, the Holy Spirit grabbed hold of my heart and he said, Israel, yes, you might not be short in stature, but you are short and small in your heart. Yes, that is true. You might not be, you might not be short, right? But in the way that you think, in the way that you act, you're very small. There are areas in our lives that we have this inward feeling that we don't measure up. That we are not good enough. That we don't have what it takes to do certain tasks. And can I be honest with you this morning? Is that okay? The fact that I'm standing here bringing God's word to you, that is a miracle. And I'm going to tell you why. When I was given the invitation to come and speak, there was this internal fight inside of me and this voice that was speaking saying to me, you don't have what it takes to stand on that stage and speak the word of God. Because you don't look the part. Your accent is pretty thick. They would understand you. They might need to have no, some translation on the screen. You're simply not good enough to do what the task that has been given to you. And I always felt less than. I always felt like I didn't measure up. I always felt like in my heart I wanted to see what was on the other side. But my insecurities, my thoughts kept me down. <laughs> I couldn't see but what to do, what to do when we feel small in our hearts? What to do when those insecurities want to take over our lives? Well, we might not climb a sycamore tree, but we for sure can run to the presence of God this morning. We might not be able, right, to get on the tree, but we can have an encounter with Jesus the same way that Zacchaeus had that encounter. Our shortcomings should drive us to his grace. And you know what? What is reminded this morning as I was about to come and speak to you. Yes, Israel, you feel like you're not good enough. You feel like you don't have what it takes. But God is reminding me this and I'm reminding you of this as well. His grace is more than sufficient for me and for you. So it doesn't matter what shortcomings we might be facing. His grace is more than sufficient for us. Can anybody say amen to that word? Amen. You don't have to do things. You don't have to be tall, right? Because check this out. God was saying, yes, Israel, you want to be tall at work. But you're very short at home. You want to, you want to give the best at work. But you leave the rest at home. Because you're always, you're always trying to, trying to make up, right? You're always trying to stand tall. You always want people to know who you really are. When in all reality, people know, need to know who I am in you. His grace is more than sufficient for us. 
Zacchaeus could not see over the crowd. The crowd was in the way, so he had to climb a tree. So let's continue to read verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Jesus had decided to stay at Zacchaeus' house. But before we get to the next verse, I would like to review what a tax collector was back at the day. If you've never been to church, and if this is your first time, then I would like us to learn together, because I'm learning too. The word Zacchaeus, the word Zacchaeus meant pure, innocent, righteous. And Zacchaeus was everything but pure, innocent, and righteous. And that is why people in his town hated Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a Jewish person working for the Roman you know, government, right, to, 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 to implement these taxes. And not only he was implementing taxes, but he was always pocketing money. He was overcharging. And that's why he became so powerful. He had influence. In order to fund, to fund the Roman Empire machine, Zacchaeus would have to charge for something called poll tax. P-O-L-L, poll tax. And this was a tax simply for breathing Roman air. If you were alive, you had to pay tax. <laughs> if you were a male 14 to 65 years or a female age 12 to 65, guess what? You had to pay tax. There was income tax, there was import tax, there was road tax, there was fish tax, right? There was even a thing called cart tax. Cart, like a little cart. If you had a cart and you will roll it down the street and you will sell things from the cart, you know what? You will get tax on those four wheels. If that would have been me, I would have picked up a wheelbarrow, hell, right? And saved myself three wheels. You got to think, man. You got to think. Come on. <laughs> but they were literally charged taxes left and right. And Zacchaeus was part of that issue. So why am I giving you all this information? Because the crowd's response in the next verse is going to tell us how much hatred it was in their hearts towards Zacchaeus. So let's read verse 7. Hmm. All the people saw this and began to praise Jesus. Woo! He's saved. Hallelujah. Wait, that's not what it says in your Bible? No? It says, and all the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be a guest of a sinner. Everyone at that moment began to grumble, to jarst, to complain, to point fingers, to say things like, how dare Jesus 
hang out with those typhoid people, sinners. The very same crowd that would not allow Jesus, that would, I'm sorry, the same crowd that would not allow Zacchaeus to see Jesus because of his shortcomings was the same crowd that muttered, that grumbled, that judged, that criticized Jesus in Zacchaeus. It was the same crowd. Now the question to us this morning is, how many times in our hearts have we become the crowd? We determine who gets in. We determine who's righteous. We determine who's, who looks good. We determine, right, who, who has the finances. We determine who's a good speaker. We determine who's speaking, who's not. And a lot of times, we, the church, become the crowd that will stop people from reaching Jesus. Unfortunately, religion gets in the way of people to see Jesus. But in moments like this, grace sounds good in theory, right? But in practicality, it seems impossible. When we're having to deal with someone that doesn't look like us, that doesn't speak like us, then that's when we are challenged to be Jesus to those people. If you feel like you don't belong, that no one cares for you this morning, <laughs> the presence of Jesus is stopping by and he's looking at you and he's calling your name and this morning he wants to have a relationship and a conversation with you today, today, now. Do you believe it? He's stopping by. Your life will never, ever be the same. I'm going to end with this. <laughs> um, I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up in church my entire life. And back in Mexico, my parents, my parents were really um, into, into the ministry of, of reaching out to the lost. Well, we'll figure. They're pastors, right? But there was a part of our city that you cannot go in. Like the, the, the gang leaders or, or, you know, I don't even want to call it the mafia, whatever you want to call it. If people didn't know who you were, right, there was a possibility that you might have been robbed, possibly shot. And one morning, my dad gets up and says, hey, we're going to go to that place of the city. I'm like, uh, no, we're not. He's like, yes, the Holy Spirit is calling me, right, to reach the gang leader and bring him to church. You Come on, let's go. So we get into our little van, right? We drive. Uh, and for you to enter into that neighborhood, they have like people on the streets. And they, and they ask for your name and say, hey, who are you here to see? And my dad is like, I'm here to see Benjamin. Benjamin? Yes, we're here to take him to church. <laughs> what? Since when Benjamin goes to church? It's like, yes, we come and want to see him. So they ready him, right? They bring him, they bring him um, to, to, to my dad and I. And this guy, right, was high as a kite. I mean, that, I mean, his mind was not there, right? And, and, and he was very nice. And my dad says, Benjamin, I've been praying for you and we're going to church today. We grabbed him. 
loaded him into a van with, two, with, with three of his friends, right? We took him to church. And the entire, the entire way to church, I'm thinking, oh, no. Oh, no, no. They're going to burn the church down. I mean, wh wh why these people? Like, they don't, they, they don't look good. They smell weird. Right? They're doing drugs. Like, they want to hurt people. Like, why take him to church? Why does my dad don't go to their place and preach at them there? Why does it have to bring him to church? We take him into the church, right? The, the greeters are there, and they're like, you know, what's the pastor I've been hanging out lately? We bring him, and I said to my dad, dad, like, okay, there is, there is a chair on the very back on the corner. Let's put the three of the four of them here on the corner, right, so they don't distract, so the people don't get bothered by him. And my dad is just like, let me stop it right there. They're actually sitting in the front, right next to mom and dad. They're going to be seated right in the place where you sit. And they brought them all to the front. Right? Again, super high, right? They start dancing, right, making a noise of the worship is. My dad preaches right and towards the end of the preaching. My dad asks, hey, is there anyone here who would like to accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior? And guess what? The three people, the four people that were high, me, 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 me. And I was like, oh, my. Lord. They accepted Jesus that day. And I'm like, they didn't know what they were doing. Nah, that's crazy. They were, they, they were not in, the, in, their, in their own senses, right? We, we, we moved them back to their, to their streets, put them back, and, and, and the entire ride, I was like, nope, like, this was a mistake. I knew it. I knew that was a mistake. One week goes by, they don't come to church. Two weeks go by, they don't come to church. Three, four weeks. Till after like a month or six weeks, the four of them, Benjamin, the ringleader, right, the powerful guy, comes to church. They don't come smelly. They don't come with the baggy clothes. They don't come looking different, right? They come dressing with slacks and dress shirts. And they're coming to my dad and say, Pastor, we don't know what happened that Sunday when we raised our hands. We have been trying to get high for the past month and it's not working out. We tried over and over and over again. We try to do something bad and there is something in our heart that says you're wrong. We don't know what's happening. The only thing that we know when we raise our hands, something happened right there. Jesus got hold of our hearts. And me, myself, the righteous person, the pastor's kid, that that had everything together was getting on the way for these people to have an encounter with the living God. Because it didn't look like me. Because it didn't speak my language. And this morning, I'm here to tell you that something happens when Jesus calls your name and wants to be with you. Something happens when you and I have a personal relationship and a personal encounter with Jesus, your life changes, your marriage changes, your kids change. Everything again that you thought it was impossible. When Jesus decides to stop and actually he's stopping by this morning, it's because he's looking at you, at you, 
at you. He's looking at me and he's calling your name. You don't have to measure up. You don't have to do anything to earn God's grace, God's love. It is finished. It is done. He died on the cross for you because he loved you. Zacchaeus is changed by the power of love of Jesus. And then we end with verse 7. Sorry, verse 9. Right, Zacchaeus repents and says, everything that I have, I double, I pay four times to those who have cheated. Right, like, like, take it, like, I don't want it, I just want Jesus. And then Jesus says to him, today, salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. In other words, for the Son of Man came to seek and say, all who have fallen short, all who feel small, Jesus have come to all who have become the crowd. He came to save those. And that's what Romans chapter 3 verse 23 and 44, 24 says, for all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. And all do you, do you see that word? And all, right? The Greek word for all is everybody. All. All are justified just as if you never did it. Freely by His grace through the, rich, the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Jesus this morning, stopping by. And he's looking up to you. He's looking up to me. And he wants to have a relationship with me and with you. And I would like to, I would like to end with this. I would like to end with a prayer. And I'm gonna, I would like to pray for two groups of people. The first group of people that I would like to pray is for those who have been hurt by the crowd. For those who have been hurt by religion. I want to pray for those who have been hurt by pastors. I want to pray for those who have been hurt by the church. By people like me. I want to pray for those that tradition said, you're not good enough to be here. I would like to Pray for those who have tried to get closer to Jesus, but people, the crowd, have gone in your way. And I would like to say this. Oh, Holy Spirit. On behalf of all the pastoral team of Beaverton Forsker Church, on behalf of people in the church, on behalf of leaders, I'm going to say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive us today? Will you forgive me, Centro Victoria? Forgive me because I have felt small and short. Because I have taken my eyes of Jesus and I focus on myself. Will you forgive us this morning?
If you have been hurt by the church and by religion, I would love to pray for you. And actually, I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna go off the script a little bit. Pastor Alex, will you come, please? He's gonna represent Beaverton Foursquare Church and I'm gonna represent Centro Victoria. We are both broken. We both make so many mistakes. And unfortunately, right, we sometimes get on your way to see Jesus. But both here representing Centro Victoria and Beaverton Foursquare, I want to say I'm sorry. I want to say, will you forgive us, right? We're here because we're broken, because we need Jesus to come and change us. So can I pray? Can I pray for those who haven't heard? Can I pray for those who are struggling this morning? With the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So will you bow your heads and close your eyes? And will you open your heart and allow God, the Holy Spirit, to change you and to heal you? God, my brother Alex and myself are here because we want to pray for this church, for Santa Victoria. God, we pray for those that are, might be hurting by church, by religion, by tradition. God, I want to pray for those that have been trying to get closer to Jesus, have been trying to see who Jesus is, but sometimes church have gotten in the way. Sometimes our arrogance have gotten in the way. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you touch us? Would you come and would you heal our hearts and would you heal our minds, Lord? God, we all broken. I am broken. I need more and more and more of you. I believe that this is the day that you have prepared for us, Lord, to come to you. So will you restore our faith? Will you restore our hope? God, that day by day, may we be closer to you. And I want to get out of the way. We want to get out of the way. Jesus, have your way on us this morning. In your holy name I pray. Amen. The second group, stay here. Amigo. The second group that I want to pray for are those like me. Alex doesn't do this, doesn't hurt people. I do hurt people. I want to pray for those who have hurt people. I want to pray for those either intentionally or unintentionally, right, have hurt other people. And today we are here to surrender, to humble ourselves before the Lord. Because according to Romans, all have fallen short. Can we pray? Can we ask God also for forgiveness? Can we humble ourselves for a couple of seconds? God, I thank you. God, I recognize that there's times when I take my eyes off you. That sometimes my insecurities, sometimes the, the need of me feeling tall and seen, right, have made me hurt other people. God, will you forgive me? 
God, my brother Alex and myself were here to surrender ourselves and to humble ourselves and to say, God, will you forgive our sin? God, we want to be the men, the women that have been called to pastor, to love, to lead this church, to lead our community. God, may be we people of faith, of grace, of love and compassion. God, thank you for the work, for the healing work that you're already doing in our lives. God, it's a new day. It's a new beginning right now. God, so we just embrace your forgiveness. God, I thank you for the work that you're doing. Lord, forgive us. Forgive our shortcomings. Forgive our thoughts. Forgive our words, Lord. Right now, we need you. We need the blood of Jesus to come and to cleanse us of all sin. For we have sinned against you, Lord. God, come and heal us. In your name I pray. Amen.